0: A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback.
1: From a national, Friday the 14th of October 2022, from the news section, Cannabis worth £1 million discovered in Cowdenbeath after fire rips through a building by Ian Williams The value of a cannabis cultivation found after a blaze on Cowdenbeath High Street it's estimated to be worth more than £1 million. Detectives were appealing for information following the fire and drugs recovery on Tuesday, September the 27th. At around 9.50am, police were made aware of a fire at a building in High Street. The fire was extinguished by the Scottish Fire and Rescue Service and no one was injured. Detective Inspector Kieran Marsh of West 5 CID said, Thankfully, no one was injured as a result of the fire. Officers continue to carry out extensive inquiries into both the fire and the cannabis cultivation discovered within the property. I am appealing to anyone who may have any information about this incident to come forward. I am also particularly keen to speak to anyone who may have seen the people in or around the affected properties in the weeks leading up to the incident. Anyone with information is urged to contact Police Scotland via 101, quoting incident number 0753 of 27th of September 2022. Alternatively, contact Crimestoppers on 0800 555 that's 0800 555 where anonymity can be maintained. And the articles by Ian Williams. From The National. Friday the 14th of October 2022, from the politics section, Question Time audience member tears into Douglas Ross over CONDESCENDING ANTI-INDEPENDENCE CLAIMS By Steph Braun Douglas Ross got into a spat with an audience member over a democratic route to independence in question time. A woman from the crowd told the Scottish Tory leader on Thursday she found it hugely condescending the once-in-a-generation argument kept being used by unionists to fend off attempts to hold on the ref She pointed out Scotland's circumstances had changed considerably since 2014, and insisted now was the right time to ask the question again. After Ross dodged Buchanan's question on what the democratic route to independence was, he then got into an argument with an audience member. He claimed he would never put a democratic route on the table because he's against independence. The audience member said, I find it hugely condescending that this whole once in a generation thing still comes up. So much has changed and there will never be a perfect time for a referendum, but come on, if this isn't it, I really don't know when is, and I find it incredible that we can constantly turn on SNP government and get Westminster turn around and say there's no mandate for it, a referendum. It's just usually condescending, it's arrogant, and you're just turning your Ross and the Tories, back on the Scottish people. Ross then attempted to deflect attention away from him and onto Deputy First Minister John Swinney by asking him about the Scottish currency. But it wasn't long before the audience manager came back in to make sure her point was addressed. She went on, I feel patronised and I find it condescending that Liz Trust can turn around and say ignore Nicola Sturgeon. How dare she, she's an elected politician, this woman, Truss, hasn't even been elected by anyone. We are a people, we are a nation, and how dare you just say no without even engaging in conversation with us. Ross then replied, we are engaging in this conversation, I don't believe in independence, I will never support Scotland separating from the UK. When Bruce was asked for a second time whether there was a democratic route to independence for Scotland, Ross said, On a democratic route that's been put forward by nationalists, people who want to separate the country, put that forward. You wouldn't expect a unionist to explain how he could divide from the rest of the UK. The audience member hit back to argue Scotland wants sovereignty, which is what Brexiteers argued for in 2016, but Ross continued to dismiss her points and insisted Scotland should just be happy with the powers it has and use them. I don't particularly think that the rhetoric of 2014 was as devices of the 2016 Brexit referendum, but if you want to follow that argument through, ultimately that's what independence is, said the audience member. So when you stood as a Tory for Brexit is exactly what we want in Scotland. We want to be sovereign and to make our own mistakes and our own way forward. Ross added, but we've had that debate. Let's use the powers we've got to improve a waiting times and education. And that piece was by Steph Braun. From The National, Friday the 14th of October 2022. From the news section, Scottish Drugs Minister Calls for Urgent Meeting with Westminster Government. By Nanny and Wilson. Scotland's Drugs Minister has called for an urgent meeting with her UK government counterpart to discuss the implication of changes to drugs legislation that could have an impact north of the border. This year, the Home Office announced plans to toughen up rules around drug possession with a new, three-tier system of interventions, the most strict of which could see offenders have their passports or driving licences taken away. In a 56-page report released in July, the Home Office said two of the three tiers, the most in stringent, could apply to Scotland and Northern Ireland. The legal system in Scotland, including policing and the courts, is devolved, but parts of the misuse of drugs act remain reserved to Westminster. In a letter to UK Crime Minister Jeremy Quinn on Friday, Angela Constance voiced her concerns at the proposed changes and the impacts they could have on the human rights of drug users. The paper sets out that some proposals, including the most punitive, may apply in Scotland, she wrote. I received a reply on August 25th, 2022, claiming that these measures are a step towards changing the damaging culture of drug use. I disagree and, instead, feel that these measures are contradictory to the human rights-based public health approach that the Scottish Government is implementing and could undermine aspects of our national mission to improve and save lives. I have previously outlined that these proposals, in particular, the confiscation of passports or driver's licenses raise significant concerns on civil liberties and human rights grounds. Given the devolved nature of Scotland's legal system, Constance continued, the proposals on the potential reach north may prove unworkable as she urged discussions between the Home Office Police Scotland and the Crown Office, as well as the Scottish Government. I must reiterate my opposition to any decision that requires Scotland to implement these th- these measures and would highlight the significant risks inherent in this approach, she wrote. Constance, who has been regularly pushed the UK government on the use of safe consumption facilities in Scotland as a way to ease the drug death problem in the country, also pushed Quinn for a meeting ahead of the regular intergovernmental drug forum due to take place on November the 1st. The next UK Drugs Ministerial meeting is scheduled for November 1st, and I look forward to meeting with you then, she wrote. I would, however, very much welcome an opportunity to meet you in advance of that date, to talk through the approach we are taking, and to discuss what we can do collectively to respond to this public health emergency. And that article was by Ninian Wilson.
0: This article is from The National, date 14th October 2022 from the Culture section. Asbestos Victims Share First-Hand Accounts of Substance's Devastating Impact in New Book by Ninian Wilson Victims of asbestos-related disease have shared their stories in a new book to highlight the devastating impact of the toxic substance. The book, Asbestos and Clyde Bank, Details the accounts of former shipbuilders and tradesmen who developed conditions after inhaling fibres at work, while others, especially women, tell of how they had no idea how they were exposed to asbestos. Developed by Clydebank Asbestos Group, or CAG, and Digby Brown solicitors. The two organisations hope the book will raise awareness to improve health and social care around the issue. CAG reached out to campaigners and people they've helped over the years, with some agreeing to share their experiences. 83-year-old Jimmy McFarlane from Bowling in West Bartonshire, developed pleural plaques after being exposed to asbestos while working as a heating engineer. He said, Like the majority of people, I never knew about CAG, but I was always worried about knowing what to do and I didn't want anyone else to feel lost. Asbestos needs to be removed. It's a secret killer and has to be dealt with to stop people being poisoned. And that's why it was important to take part in this book and get the message out there. One female victim. 32-year-old Laura Evans, is one of the youngest methothalomia patients in Scotland, despite having no direct contact with asbestos. She said, it sounds morbid but the reality is when I die I want to know my story is there so that more people will take notice. I actually hope people are a little shocked when they read this book Because what happened is shocking. Cancer is not something that goes away. You're always affected by it and so are the people around you. I really hope that asbestos is removed from all public buildings and homes. There's no asbestos that's safe, so leaving it alone is not an option. It is thought asbestos and Clydebank is the first publication of its kind to gather first-hand accounts of people affected by the substance. Professor Andrew Waterston, an occupational health and safety expert, spoke in the book about the importance of hearing first-hand accounts, saying, it's the lost voices that need to be captured. Speaking to real people brings a new dimension to things as that's where you find where the significance is, as it's probably been neglected. Rachel Gallagher, CAG coordinator said, We are incredibly humbled by the strength, dignity and passion shown by each person who chose to share their experiences in asbestos and Clydebank. Western bartonshire has frequently topped national tables for asbestos disease, undoubtedly due to past shipbuilding and heavy industry but it affects all of Scotland. For 30 years we have fought for truth and justice but the truth is CAG is needed just as much today as it was in the early 1990s. Asbestos use may have been banned in 1999 but it's still in our communities, in the buildings and in asbestos diseases which contributes to a devastating heritage. We therefore hope the relevant stakeholders who read the real stories of real people may consider a more strategic and joined-up approach to protect future generations. Fraser Simpson, head of Digby Brown's industrial disease team, said The work of CAG is hugely important, from the decades of campaigning work, which is recognised in the book, to the free, holistic daily support it provides for hundreds of families. The vision for the book was commendable because it rightly, and finally, places the spotlight on real people and their communities to give them the recognition they deserve so we were passionate in providing support to turn this vision into a reality. Asbestos and Clydebank, therefore, is not just interesting or informative reading material. It is a vital social document that I hope will be a catalyst for positive action to improve the future. That article was by Ninian Wilson. This article is from the Glasgow Times, date 14th October 2022, from the Opinion section. How a 500-year-old invention programmed your autocorrect, by Pat Nels, Glasgow Science Centre. Language is at the heart of our lives as humans, but most of the time we do not even realise. Every once in a while we need to stop and think for a second about how you spell this word or what that abbreviation means. In those moments we might ask ourselves why is English spelling so weird? Why do people spell things differently online? The simple answer is that technology shapes language and the change never stops. If we want to look at the origins of today's spelling we need to go back more than half a millennium. The printing press first came to Britain in the late 1400s, and if you've ever seen Chaucer's The Canterbury Tales, you will know that English looked quite different then to what we are used to now. Today, we call the language people spoke between roughly 1100 and 1500 Middle English. There were so many wildly different dialects, That even people in neighbouring countries, counties, sometimes struggled to understand each other. That did not matter so much when most folks did not travel and few could read and write. Every book had to be copied by hand and so every scribe could easily change the text to their own dialect. All that changed when the printing press arrived and made it possible to print hundreds of copies of the exact same text in the time it would take to copy just one book by hand. It was no longer practical to have books in all the different dialects and so a standard way of speaking and writing English was chosen by the printers. This standard was not any better or more correct than any of the other dialects. It was simply the way that the printers and their neighbours in London spoke. Today, we still spell most words like those printers decided they should be spelled 500 years ago. But language constantly changes, so the way we speak now sounds different to back then, and a lot of the spelling does not really make sense anymore. Though, for example, used to rhyme with loch, and if the spelling of it was invented today, t-h-o would make much more sense than t h o u g h people have noticed this of course and so we see though t h o all over our messages and the internet for linguists people who study language this is not surprising at all humans are always trying to find out the most efficient way to do something and that includes communication we are a lazy bunch But that's okay, because it helps us to find better ways of doing things. Language changes because we're always trying to find a balance between making it easy to make ourselves understood and to understand. It is easy for us to make the sound too, T-O, but someone who hears it has to think about whether it's T-O, T-W-O or T-O-O. When it comes to spelling, we made the opposite choice. By having different ways of spelling words that sound the same, the writer needs to do more work, but less thinking is necessary to understand what it means. Language, both spoken and written, is going to keep on changing as we make different choices about what is important to us when we communicate. Different technologies will shape these changes as well, just like the invention of print text messaging and emoji did. There will always be more than one way of speaking, depending on the person, place and situation. A shared standard helps us communicate with each other across the globe, but our dialects help us keep to feel part of our local community. Neither of these is better than the other, But unfortunately, the idea of correct language has been used to oppress people in racist and classist ways. There is no such thing as good English, but this idea has often been used as a reason to keep people out of the conversation. The important thing to remember is that we have a right to self-expression, be that with dialect, slang or switching between languages. At Glasgow Science Centre, we want everyone to be part of the conversation because knowledge matters and belongs to everyone, just like language. There's no right or wrong way to share your ideas with the world. While innovation shapes communication, communication is what makes innovation possible in the first place. We cannot wait to meet you at the Science Centre, have a nice chat and hear about your ideas. That article was by Pat Nels of Glasgow Science Centre. This article is from The National, date 17th October, 2022. From the Politics section. Douglas Ross backs JK Rowling an attack on Scottish Trans Rights Bill. By Adam Robertson. Scottish Conservative leader Douglas Ross has backed JK Rowling in a row over trans rights. Rowling, who's been outspoken with her opinion on gender in recent years, outlined her views on the principles behind the Gender Recognition Reform Scotland Bill in an article for the Sunday Times this weekend. It comes ahead of the first Scottish Parliament debate on the bill. The Gender Recognition Reform Bill aims to make the process of applying for a Gender Recognition Certificate, or GRC, simpler in Scotland. It would reduce the time people seeking to change their gender need to live in the required gender before applying from two years to three months. The Bill, which is supported by all Holyrood parties other than the Tories, has faced opposition from groups who claim it could harm the rights of women. In the article, Rowling said Nicola Sturgeon and other MSPs should be held responsible if the lax new legislation led to attacks on women. She also accused the First Minister of riding roughshod over women's rights. In a post on Twitter, Ross retweeted the article and said, J.K. Rowling writes powerfully in the Sunday Times today. She is spot on about Nicola Sturgeon. We fully support, at JK Rowling, on the need to support women's rights. It is not Ross's first intervention in the trans rights debate. Earlier this year, ahead of the council election, he was heavily criticised after committing to ensuring council buildings had single-sex facilities, before stating that trans women could not use them. This was condemned by the Equality Network, who accused the politician of proposing unlawful policy under the Equality Act. Earlier this month, Rowling shared a photo of herself wearing a t-shirt emblazoned with the words, Nicola Sturgeon, destroyer of women's rights. Sturgeon denied the claims made on the t-shirt and described herself as a passionate feminist. Responding to claims she is a destroyer of women's rights, Sturgeon told the BBC, I've spent my entire life campaigning for women's rights and I'm a passionate feminist with lots of evidence behind that. I respect people's views on this. People are entitled to express their views however they wish. She said the legislation is about reforming an existing process and doesn't give any more rights to trans people and it doesn't take any rights away from women. The current process, the First Minister said, is stigmatising, traumatic and is asking people to effectively prove that they're mentally unwell, adding that anyone caught abusing the process outlined in the new bill will be committing a criminal offence. That article was by Adam Robertson. This article is from The National, date 17th October 2022, from the News section. Man dies in suspected gas explosion in Denny near Falkirk, by Adam Robertson. A man has been killed in a suspected gas explosion in Central Scotland. Emergency services were called to Northfield Road in Denny near Falkirk after reports of an explosion, the Scottish Sun said. A man died at the scene and although it has been treated as unexplained, officers have said it is not believed to be suspicious. A Police Scotland spokesman told the newspaper, we were called around 4.10pm on Sunday October 16th To a report of a gas explosion in an outbuilding in the Northfield Road area of Denny. Emergency services attended and a man was pronounced dead at the scene. There was no danger to the wider public. The death has been treated as unexplained but not believed to be suspicious, and inquiries are ongoing to establish the full circumstances. That article was by Adam Robertson. This article is from The National, date 17th October 2022, from the Culture section. Your Guide to Dublin, Ireland and Why Now is the Perfect Time to Visit by Samantha Priestley Autumn is the perfect time for a city break and, as Logan Air announced, it is increasing capacity from Aberdeen to Dublin and lowering fares, The Irish city is the perfect destination. Here are the highlights of things to see and do while you're in Dublin. The Guinness Storehouse. There's no better place to enjoy a pint of Guinness than in its home. The Storehouse is the original brewery and Guinness is still brewed here today. Although you won't get to poke around and watch any actual brewing, you can learn about the process and the history. Tour the seven floors of displays, restaurants and bars and finish off in the rooftop Gravity Bar for a pint of the good stuff where you can enjoy incredible views over the city. Temple Bar Book Market Temple Bar might be better known for its pubs and its lively nighttime scene but on Saturday and Sunday daytime it's a completely different atmosphere. You can still pop into a pub or two, but if you love books or just a good second-hand flea market, the Temple Bar Book Market is a real find. Stalls are piled high with old and rare books, and the area has a European and lovely lazy feel. Kilmainham Jail This former prison, built in 1796, stands just outside the city, It ceased to be a jail in 1924 and is now a fascinating museum. It's a vast building, the largest unoccupied building in Europe, and a guided tour takes you from cell to cell, viewing prisoners' letters and personal belongings. When you step out into the yard, where an uprising occurred in 1916, you get a real sense of the desperation of the place when you see the spot these prisoners were executed on. Phoenix Park More than just a park, these 709 hectares of greenery and gardens is also where you'll find Dublin Zoo and the Papal Cross where Pope John Paul II said Mass in 1979. The park is home to the Irish President's official residence, plus a majestic herd of deer. It's a great spot to wander and take your time to get away from the busy city for a while and to stop and have a picnic. There are often pop-up events and small markets taking place and the park is so busy, so big you can easily spend the day here. Live music. Dublin is a music city and when you wander the streets in the evening, hopping from pub to pub, you'll find it everywhere you go. Trad sessions frequently take place in most traditional pubs in the city and live bands are playing in the more modern bars. The atmosphere of the Dublin nightlife is contagious and before you know it, you're singing along. If you can play an instrument, you can sit down and join a trad session. In some bars, you might get a little music lesson or you can sit back, relax and enjoy a pint while the music plays. That article was by Samantha Priestley.
1: From The National. Monday the 17th of October 2022 from the comment section. Maybe it's time Tories got used to people saying what they think of them. By Steph Peyton, columnist. I have always assumed that having sex with a Tory would be a miserable experience. The kind of mind that would embrace the theory of trickle-down economics suggests to me a selfish lover. If that sounds harsh, I can only say that the Conservatives deserve to hear a lot more being said on what people really think of them. The Tory response to Miriam Margoli's being brutally upfront on BBC Radio Four about her thoughts on the new Tory Chancellor, or for that matter, to Nicola Sturgeon saying she detests the Tories, or to LGBT+ activists adorned in T-shirts that read "Never kissed a Tory," reveals a naive entitlement of the political right. It's a strange state of affairs to think that our choice of friends and sexual partners should be so clinically removed from what we feel. I detest the Tories. And, given the opportunity, and given the same peace of mind as Margulies did on Saturday. Yet Conservatives repeatedly act offended when faced with the consequences of their behaviour, as if you can do any number of terrible things and it doesn't matter, as long as you are wearing a £3,000 suit and tie at the time and collecting an income. There's no one so oppressed as a Conservative. They wail like a man who has just spent the last hour smearing excrement in the windows of his local Tesco, then doesn't understand why they won't let him in for the weekly shop. The word we're all really looking for here is accountability. Reactionaries in the political right will just it up as political correctness and the tyranny of the woke mob, but boil it right down, and what you have left is a group of entitled millionaires and politicians who are furious that they are being held responsible for their actions. The full acceptance of everyone across the political spectrum, without judgement, is one of the most absurd indulgences of liberalism, even worse is the smugness with which you enforce it. It's easy to wave away the destruction of the Conservatives as a simple difference of opinion, when you're safe and secured in the world from the worst impacts of the regime. But really, who amongst us with any, with any real compassion could look at the exhaustive timeline of the Conservative Party over the past 12 years? and come up with anything but disgust for a political party that maintained a death grip in UK politics for over a decade. I'm talking about welfare slashing, COVID partying, economy crashing free market zealots who hold the keys to 10 Downing Street. The fracking backers who put our drinking water under threat. The tuition fee raisers saddling another generation with mountains of debt. The kind of party that won't be moved by a photo of a drowned child in the channel. Well, not for any longer than is necessary before the public move on. The party that would prorogue parliament to avoid any real scrutiny. The party that hands more power to the police to protect themselves from protest and mutiny. The party that scapegoats migrants and transgender people while picking apart our services to the point that their emptiness is felt everywhere you go. In waiting times, in staff shortages, in four nations now living in the cracks of their foundations. A government that allows its home office to track the location of international students in the hope of catching and breaking their visa conditions. Who spent up to £1 billion in bombing and other interventions in Libya while justifying pay cuts for teachers and nurses. A government stuffed with ministers and representatives that use taxpayers' money to clean their moats or get caught offering access to the Prime Minister. I'm talking about a political movement that has wrongly deported British citizens and cheers at the prospect of playing trouble with asylum seekers taking off from British runways. The party that voted against making it a requirement for rented homes to be fit for human habitation, while being jammed full of landlords. A of the stuff with heartless fools such as Jacob B. Smog, who claimed that the victims of given for terror-lacked common sense. Or Dominic Rabb, who described feminists as obnoxious bigots and said men were getting a raw deal. Or who... Will elect in the spot of high hygiene a man who described black people in Africa as having watermelon smiles. They are the kind of people who will give the middle finger, literally, to the families of those who died from COVID, protesting who are outside UK down, outside Downing Street ahead of Johnson's resignation for partying, while sacrifices were made across the UK's four nations. The people who are working to privatise institutions, to undermine unions to funnel more cash into the pockets of themselves and their pals. And at the end of all that, once Quasi Quartin's ideological mini-budget had condemned families and workers to even more hardship, Jeremy Hunt steps in to tell us that all difficult, cho- more difficult choices lie ahead. I don't welcome Tories into my bedroom or my friendship groups because I don't believe anyone can support this worthy of my respect. And if that upsets you, I hope Mary Margolis finds the time to swing by your house. And that was the comment piece by Steph Peyton From the National, Tuesday the 18th of October 2022, from the news section Blair Drummond Safari Park Welcomes Birth of White Rhino Calf Article by Ross Hunter A rhino calf has been born at the Scottish Safari Park. After a 16-month pregnancy, the female calf was born at Blair Drummond Safari Park at around 11.30 on Monday morning. She is the sixth calf of rhino couple Dot and Graham, who are both 22 years old. Southern white rhinos are classified as Near-Threatened on International Union for the Conservation Nature Red List of Endangered Species. They have recovered from an estimated population of less than 100 in 1895 to around 18,000 today and are the only of the five rhino species not classified as endangered. Operations Manager Blair Drummond Safari Park Dave Warren said, The birth was very straightforward, from her water-speaking to delivering the calf. Calf took less than two hours. We were slightly anxious as she came back legs first, but there were no complications. It was such a privilege to be on hand to witness the birth. All our keepers at Blair Drummond are fantastic, and the large mammal team should be unbelievably proud of their achievements. They provided everything for Dot, leaving me with the fortunate job of taking photographs of her lovable new calf. The calf is as yet unnamed, and suggestions are been welcomed by, this par- by, by the park over social media. Large mammal keeper Shona Bell added, We are delighted to welcome the latest addition to our family. As an experienced mother, Dot has quickly adapted to being a mum again, and the calf is already up and about. We are so proud of the work we did to safeguard the future of this iconic species, and adding another little one to their number feels amazing. Here at the park, we are part of the EAZA Endangered Species Breeding Programme, an initiative designed to expand and maintain healthy rhino populations. Through this programme, Dot and Graham have previously produced five calves who are now playing their part to ensure the continuation of their species in safari parks and zoos around Europe. The other subspecies of white rhino, the northern white rhino, is classified as functionally extinct, with only two known individuals left in the world, both of which are female. The article is by Ross Hunter from the National, Tuesday, the eighteenth of October, twenty twenty-two, from the news section. Forest-based Orbex gets major investment from Scottish National Investment Bank. Report by Adam Robertson. A Scottish bank is helping an environmentally friendly space rocket manufacturer to expand its operation following a £17.8 million investment. Scale-up support from the Scottish National Investment Bank, part of an overall package worth £40 million, will help the Moray-based Orbex unlock significant additional funding sources. It is hoped this will help to boost plans for future projects. SNP MSP for Moray, Richard Lockhead, welcomed the funding package. He said, Scotland is leading the way in terms of creating space sector jobs in the UK and with Orbex's facility in Forest, Moray is playing a big role in the development of rockets that will be reusable and powered by biofuels. This investment in Orbex is hugely welcome and demonstrates just how far the company has come since opening its doors in Forest just a few years ago. Earlier this year, Orbex unveiled a prototype of its small satellite launcher ahead of a debut flight from the Hit Space Hub Sutherland Spaceport in the coming months. The prime rocket will be the first orbital rocket to be powered by a renewable biofuel called Calor's futoria li- liquid gas. This helps reduce the carbon footprint of a launch by up to 96% compared with similarly sized launch vehicles powered by fossil fuels. Executive Director of the Scottish National Investment Bank, Nicola Douglas said, This is a very exciting time for the Scottish space sector. With Orbex, we will have a rocket assembled in Scotland, launching from Scotland, and likely transporting satellites built in Scotland into orbit. This investment is a great example of the bank working with other investors to scale up the sc- to scale ups in Scotland, and aligns with our mission to invest in innovation and industries of the future. Prime is a 19 metre long, two-stage rocket, which is powered by seven engines. Six engines on the first stage of the rocket will propel the vehicle through the atmosphere to an altitude of around 80 kilometres. The second the single engine on the second stage of the rocket will complete the journey to low-Earth orbit, LEO. From there, its payload of small commercial satellites will be released into Earth's orbit, with many being used for environmental monitoring. CEO of Orbex, Chris Lemuer, said, We are delighted to welcome the Scottish National Investment Bank as a significant new investor in Orbex. Our company has made significant progress to get to this point, with the invention of groundbreaking, innovative technology, the rapid development and testing of the launch vehicle, the expansion of our manufacturing footprint in the UK and Denmark, the creation of the UK's first orbital spaceport in mainland Scotland, and the growth in customers from the UK, Europe and America signing up to launch dedicated payloads with Orbex. These results have only been made possible by the maturity and dedication of the entire Orbex team who bring a huge amount of skills and experience to their tasks from a wide variety of industries launch systems and spacecraft and by the ongoing trust and support of our partners and investors. This new funding round, which was led by the bank, will allow us to continue to build Orbex towards our long-term goal of rebuilding a reliable, economically successful and environmentally sustainable European Space Launch business. And that article was by Adam Robertson. From The National, Tuesday, the 18th of October 2022 From the politics section, Liz Truss apologises for mistakes in shocking BBC interview, by Adam Robertson. Liz Truss has said she will lead the Conservatives into the next general election, following the reversal of many of the measures outlined in her mini-budget. In an interview with the BBC on Monday night, the Prime Minister admitted to and apologised for mistakes made during her short tenure to date, she is set to hold a meeting with her cabinet on Tuesday following an informal reception with senior ministers over drinks and nibbles in Downing Street on Monday evening. Trust has said she has adjusted to what we are doing after the UK government's fiscal policies resulted in economic turmoil and the sacking of Kwasi quarting as Chancellor. The Prime Minister was asked who was to blame for the mess. She replied, Well, first of all, I do want to accept responsibility and say sorry for the mistakes that have been made. I wanted to help. I wanted to act to help people with their energy bills, to deal with the issue of high taxes, but we went too far and too fast. I've acknowledged that. I put in place a new chancellor with a new strategy to restore economic stability. And now, what I'm focused on is delivering for the public, whether that's delivering on our energy price guarantee, and we've made sure people are only paying a typical household two thousand five hundred pounds but also delivering on the promise of growth, making sure we're delivering on the roads, the broadband, the mobile phone signal, all of those things which are going to help our economy succeed. On Monday, Trust sat silent in the Commons for around 30 minutes as Jeremy Hunt told MPs he was scaling back the energy support package and ditching most of the tax cuts announced by his predecessor. The government had already axed plans to scrap the 45p rate of income tax for top earners And you turned on a promise not to increase corporation tax? During the interview with the BBC, Trust was also pressed on mortgage rates, which have skyrocketed in recent weeks. She said, Well look, I understand it is very difficult for families across the country, and the fact is we are facing a difficult economic situation internationally, where interest rates are rising as well as pressure here in Britain. Asked if she had made it worse, Trust said, What we've been through over the past few years is a very low interest rate world and that is changing and that is changing across the globe. The Prime Minister was asked once again if she had made things more difficult for people to which she replied, well first of all I have said sorry for the fact that we did act too far. We went too far and too fast. The reason I did that was to make sure that we were dealing with the immediate issue of the energy crisis. SNP's Westminster leader, Ian Blackford, slammed Truss's interview and reiterated calls for the Prime Minister to step down. Writing on Twitter, Blackford said, This is shocking. No contrition for the Tories' premium and mortgage rates that she has caused. She trashed the mortgage market. If she had any dignity or any self-respect, she would go. Truss was also pressed on the security of her position, with several Tories having broken rank in the past few days to call for her resignation and a poll on Monday night putting Labour a whopping 36 points ahead. She was also pressed on her ratings in the polls. Figures released in early October showed is more unpopular than Boris Johnson or Jeremy Corbyn ever were. She said, I will lead the Conservatives into the next general election. The Prime Minister said she was not focused on internal debates within her party and apologised to colleagues for the mistakes she had made. And that article is by Adam Robertson. From the National, Tuesday the 18th of October 2022, from the news section, Trade Minister aims to strengthen Scotland's ties with the US and Canada. By Steph Brown. Scotland's Trade Minister is aiming to bolster economic ties with the US and Canada following the Scottish Government's Independence perspective paper release. Ivan McKee will meet with a number of businesses across the Atlantic as he promotes Scotland as an attractive investment destination. It follows the paper which sets out the government's plans to get a more prosperous, productive and internationally competitive economy. McKee said the US is both Scotland's top inward investor and top international export destination, with exports valued at more than £6 billion. He added, Scotland is an extremely attractive country to invest in. We continue to strongly outperform the UK as a whole in attracting foreign district investment (FDI) and have been the most successful nation or region in the UK outside of London for 9 of the last 11 years and for the 7th year running in attracting FDI. This is despite the numerous challenges of the last few years including the UK government's ever changing budget plans, Brexit and a pandemic which is a testament to our skills base and highly qualified workforce. The third independence paper in, in the Building a New Scotland series outlined the economic and currency plans for an independent Scotland. It confirmed Scotland would keep sterling for an undefined pe- period of time after leaving the UK, while work goes on to set up a new Scottish pound. Scotland would not seek to join the euro, Nicola Sturgeon said, adding that this would not be right for Scotland. The paper also set out the le- at length the economic case for independence and opposition. the policies of the Conservatives in Westminster, and the First Minister emphatically said she rejects austerity, calling it immoral and unsound economically. And that article was by Steph Brown From the National, Tuesday the 18th of October 2022, from the news section Tributes for young Scots killed in Highlands car crash. Report by Gregor Young. Tributes have poured in after two young Scots were named as having died in a crash in the Highlands. Police Scotland have released pictures of 25-year-old David Hamilton and 24-year-old Finlay Hope following the fatal crash on Sunday at around 3.20pm on the A836. It is believed the car had left the road near Lairg in Sutherland some time before it was found and reported to police. Both men were pronounced dead at the scene and their families have asked for their privacy to be respected at this time. The Highlands and Islands Police Division posted the announcement on Facebook prompting hundreds of responses from locals God they are just boys Lara J McMillan wrote, they're poor families I'm so sorry for your heartbreaking loss, thinking of you all and the emergency services who are in attendance Gail Jones added, makes it even more heartbreaking to see their young faces with a lifetime lost, incredibly sad for their families and friends can't imagine their grief right now Thoughts too for our emergency services who had to deal with this tragedy? How awful. Sincere condolences to their respective families and friends. Beautiful lads taking too early. Heartbreaking, Audrey Wallace said. Sergeant Callum McCauley said, Our thoughts are very much with the families of these two young men at this very difficult time. An investigation to establish the full circumstances of what happened is ongoing and we are appealing to anyone who can assist, who has not already spoken to officers, to please get in touch. If you have dashcam footage or anything else that could help with our inquiries, then please call us on 101 quoting incident number 20836 of October the 16th, 2022. And that report was by Gregor Young. From the National, Tuesday the 18th of October 2022. From the News section, Yes Group to host Indie Curious Events to Reach Undecided Voters. Article by Laura Pollock. A new campaigning initiative has been launched by Yes activists in North East Fife, aiming to create an atmosphere for voters curious about independence. The first of two Indie Curious Saturday events will have a QA with columnist Leslie Riddick and a discussion with Commonwealth Policy Coordinator Nicola Biggerstaff. The second event will have performances from folk singer and Scots advocate Iona Fife and SNP activist and singer, Joshua Scanlon. The events are free to ensure accessibility to information and, organis- and organisers aim for an open discussion. The first is set for Saturday the 19th and will take park place in Westport Cafe in Cooper. The second is on the Saturday 26th of November at Village Memorial Hall in Dersey. SNP councillor Stephen Hall said he had the idea when he was unsatisfied with the Yes Movement outreach, in his board of Cooper, he said It all started when I wanted more Yes activists to be involved in Cooper the idea that grew arms and legs and Yes North East Fife took it on This is the Yes movement, not the SNP so the fact the group took it is on now means we can make an independence argument in a party neutral way and therefore, it's more welcoming for all voters In North East Fife there is a lot of soft live Dems and soft labour voters We've seen that at local elections in May, so independence is actually looking quite intriguing to them and these events will give those who are curious an opportunity to ask any and all questions. The council was elected in May in a ward for the first time put the SNP ahead of the Lib Dems and Tories and this result was mirrored across the region. SNP had the best result they had ever received in a Fife local election and Labour had the worst. However. A month after the election, the results were finalised and Fife Council became a Labour minority, making a deal with Lib Dems and Tories for support. Protesters gathered outside Fife Council headquarters with signs and with, We want Labour out. At the time, Hog Radu said, Imagine that scenario, you as a Labour party have, con- have control after the election but now your own voters are protesting outside because they know that you have taken them for granted. Yes North East Fife will also be one of many Yes groups across the country taking part in the Believe in Scotland Day of Action this weekend. On Saturday the 27th of October, the group and Yes bikers host a cavalcade of cars and bikes with an independence messaging. Information on the Indie Saturdays can be found online at eventbrite.com and that article is by Laura Pollock.
2: From The National, Tuesday the 18th of October 2022. From the comments section. Shona Craven. Cowardly trust is brave in topsy-turvy Tory land. Cowardice is courage. Chaos is stability. Questions are against the national interest. Got it? This is the brave new world the Tories want to convince us we're living in. And by brave, I mean spineless, timorous and lily-livered. The Prime Minister wasn't cowering under a table yesterday afternoon, according to Penny Mordaunt, but I didn't hear a specific rebuttal of the shouted-out suggestion that she might have been in a cupboard. We had about a dozen versions of the question about why she hadn't bothered to turn up before MPs really started to press her stand-in. Perhaps some were initially hesitant just in case a Tory minister was actually telling the truth for once. Perhaps Liz Truss had suddenly fallen ill, or was trashing Number 10 before she could be dragged out. Maybe someone was capitalising on the instability of the UK by launching a terror attack that she was in the business of single-handedly averting. Maybe she was trying to figure out how to start a nuclear war, reasoning that if she was going down, she would damn well bring the rest of us with her. Keir urgent question was scheduled less than an hour before her new Chancellor was due to give a statement to the House about his decision to tear up Truss's economic policy, and when word spread that she would arise alongside Jeremy Hunt, the MPs lost patience. No, really, they asked, what on earth was her excuse for skipping scrutiny? The more Mordaunt emphasised that the Prime Minister had a genuine, but secret, reason, but that she'd be along shortly, the more insistently they demanded to know. When Trust finally arrived alongside Hunt, she opted to simply stare straight ahead with only the slightest hint of a smirk on her face, moving her facial muscles just enough to open her lower jaw and emit hear here" on cue. Perhaps she was trying to rebut the suggestion from the SNP's Brendan O'Hara that Kwasi Quateng was the Lord Chancellor to her Ray Allen by acting like a dummy herself. Maybe she'd rather we, we believe she'd had a lobotomy than that she is simply incapable of defending her bizarre behaviour and erratic decision-making. Jeremy Hunt did say at the weekend that he'd had his own leadership ambitions clinically excised. What if that was a cry for help rather than joke? What if the men in grey suits are working alongside the men in white coats to control the very minds of this diabolical crew. Mordant clearly has not had her leadership ambitions excised and has surely had brass plating surgically implanted into her neck. She seized the opportunity to defend every trust U-turn as brave and principled while condemning every change of position by Starmer as evidence of weakness and incompetence. The Labour leader may have wished to point out that the Tories have shamelessly stolen his six-month energy price cap policy, minus the windfall tax element to pay for it, of course, but dared not do so, since voters will hardly be delighted to hear that their bills will be shooting up again in April. The bold penny went on to suggest that it was in the national interest to move on swiftly from Starmer's time-wasting questions to Hunt's statement which UK citizens needed to hear about in detail. All this repetitive grilling about why her supposed boss ducked out was simply holding up important proceedings. According to this Tory logic, the genuine reason for Truss's absence must have been that she was waiting out in the hall with Hunt, ear pressed to the door as they awaited their cue. Speaker Lindsay Hoyle was happy to allow the PM to sneak in while the questions were being put to her stand-in and then simply move on to the next item on the agenda as if nothing outrageous had just occurred. Just get up and tell us, an MP shouted out to Truss, at which point there seemed a real risk that the entire class would be given detention. God forbid anyone violates the rules of such a hallowed institution as the Westminster Parliament. Much better that the Prime Minister be allowed to spectacularly take the piss out of every single person in the UK. It's genius, really, the logic of the Tories' latest position. They have caused so much economic turmoil, caused so much uncertainty and anxiety, that they can now argue there simply isn't time to go over what happened yesterday or last week. The Shit show is such that we cannot possibly have a general election now or even a change of prime minister at least, not a formal one. They have governed so very badly that they must simply be allowed to continue. Why haven't previous governments tried this tactic whenever things were going badly, when polls started to turn against them, and media commentators began calling for an early election, they should just have set about making themselves ten times worse. Then it's just a case of branding anyone wasting time by asking questions at such a time of crisis an enemy of the state. And when the worst is over, simple, the villains can be declared the heroes. This article was by Shona Craven.
3: Recorded from The National on the 20th of October, 2022 from the Culture section recorded by Amy. Edinburgh Cinema offers free membership to ex-Film House employees after closure by Steph Braun an Edinburgh Cinema is offering free membership to former employees of the city's film house after it was forced to shut. The Cameo Cinema said it was deeply saddened by the news the film house and the Bell in Aberdeen had to stop trading due to a perfect storm of sharply rising costs. The Centre for the Moving Image, CMI, also ran the Edinburgh International Film Festival, which has also stopped trading as administrators assess the charity's future. More than 100 workers immediately lost their jobs, while a petition to save the cinemas and festival gained more than 8,000 signatures. Cameo has now offered all former Filmhouse or Edinburgh International Festival employees complimentary membership in a bid to keep cinema culture alive. The cinema has also offered all Filmhouse members a discount on ticket purchases. In his statement on Facebook, Cameo said, Keeping Scotland's cinema culture alive is something we care very much about. Like many of you, we're deeply saddened by the news about Filmhouse, Edinburgh Film Festival and the Bellemount in Edinburgh, and have been thinking hard about the best ways we can help. While it's only a small gesture, watching films is something we all want to share together, so we at the Cameo would like to offer all former Filmhouse or Edinburgh Film Festival employees complimentary membership at our cinema. We also know there's members of the Filmhouse who paid for a benefit they can no longer claim. We're happy to invite Filmhouse members to claim a £3 discount on all ticket purchases at the Cameo, the same discount our members receive. Filmhouse members just need to present a valid membership card at the Cameo box office to claim their discount. We at Cameo hope to see you at the movies very soon. Former Filmhouse and Festival employees should email inquiries at picturehouses.co.uk to set up their membership. According to the CML, energy costs and reduced trade have had a major impact on the cinema sector and immediate action was required in the face of unprecedented challenges. The CMI said its energy costs are going up by around £200,000 over the next 12 months. With the UK government's energy cap only scheduled to last six months, planning into next year is difficult. As a registered real living wage employer, the charity is also facing an increase of payroll costs about 10.1% on top of the additional energy fees. The CMI also blames stagnant public funding, general inflation and poor trading for the financial struggles, with cinema admissions at just 50% of their pre-pandemic levels. Tom McLennan and Chad Griffin of FRP Advisory have been appointed as joint administrators and will work alongside Creative Scotland, City of Edinburgh Council and Aberdeen City Council to find a way forward. That article was by Steph Braun. Recorded from the National on the 19th of October, 2022, from the Culture section, recorded by Amy, New Bard and Gaelic Learner of the Year Announced at Royal National Mod by Adam Robertson. The Royal National Mod has appointed its new bard and announced the Gaelic Learner of the Year. Poet, broadcaster and journalist Peter Mackay, originally from the Isle of Lewis, has been named the new bard in recognition of his contribution to the Gaelic literary world. Mackay works as a senior lecturer at the University of St. Andrews and was previously writer in residence at Sable Moor a college on Skye. He is the 58th recipient of the Ankomen Bardic Award, which was first handed out almost a century ago in 1923. Mackay said, It's a great honor to be named the Bard of the Commune Gaily, especially as the next year, 2023, will mark 100 years since the first poet. James Thompson from Lewis, was named in this role. That's one hundred years of footsteps to follow in, and live up to, not least those of Roddy Gorman, the most recent holder of the role, who has done so much for the Gaelic poetry over the years. It's also nice to be part of the mod. I'm a terrible singer, so never got to compete here. I'm very pleased to be sneaking into this extraordinary Cayley by another door. Elsewhere, the recipient of the Gaelic Learner of the Year Award was also announced with Sheena Amos, on the Black Isle, being recognised for making steps to become fluent in the language. Amos is a music teacher on Sky and credited her colleagues for helping her to make progress with her Gaelic. She sat a higher exam in the language during lockdown following a year of studying at Sable Mor Osteg and now teaches music through the medium of Gaelic. Amos said, I feel honoured to be awarded this prize considering how many people are learning Gaelic at the moment. The other students in my class at Sabalmar Ostig all worked so diligently and enthusiastically, and our lecturers were very encouraging. Language is closely connected with community, and I know that without the fantastic support of the local people here on Skye, particularly from colleagues at Portree High School and Bunskilgele Portree, I wouldn't have learned Gaelic to this level. I would really encourage anyone living in a similar community who wants to learn Gaelic to give it a go and to use the resources around them. The RNM is taking place in Perth until October 22nd. The article was by Adam Robertson. Recorded from the National on the 19th of October 2022. From the Culture section. Recorded by Amy. Nicholas Sturgeon spotted at Popular Glasgow Restaurant. Absolute pleasure serving our FM. By Esther Turney. Scotland's First Minister was spotted at a Popular Glasgow Restaurant on Wednesday. Nicholas Sturgeon was pictured with a staff member outside the George Square spot, Browns Brasserie and Bar. In a Facebook post, the venue said, Absolute pleasure serving our First Minister today. As was reported at the time, the politician opened a £10.2 million social housing development in Govan earlier this week. She unveiled the 49 affordable houses at Cromdale Square by Lynn House Housing Association as part of a huge regeneration for the city. That article was by Esther Tarney. Recorded from The National on the 18th of October, 2022. From the Culture section. Recorded by Amy. Lewis Capaldi announces new album and European tour dates by Andrew Smart. Scottish pop star Lewis Capaldi has announced that he will be releasing a new album and starting a European tour after his recent chart success. This singer who was born in Glasgow, recently teased a tour and the release of new music in a tweet to fans earlier today. The hopes of both were confirmed today in a statement released by the music, Musicians' Management. The announcement unveiled a whole host of tour dates across Europe and the release of an album, including his recent charting single, Forget Me, Louis Capaldi's new album. After his long-awaited return to recorded music, Louis Capaldi is releasing a brand new album. Broken by Desire to be Heavenly Sent is the singer's second non-live album and will feature his Silver's certified single Forget Me. Lewis Capaldi said, I don't want to create a new sound for myself or reinvent myself. The songs I want to write are emotional songs about love or loss. Louis Capaldi European Tour Dates Lewis Capaldi announced dozens of new tour dates across Europe in major cities like Glasgow, London, Birmingham and Madrid. Here's a full list of list of all the tour dates announced by the Scottish singer January Saturday 14th Leeds First District Arena Monday 16th Sheffield Utilita Arena Wednesday 18th Manchester AO Arena Thursday 19th Liverpool m Bank Arena Saturday 21st Newcastle Utilita Arena Monday 23rd Aberdeen P&J Live, Tuesday 24th Glasgow OVO, OVO Hydro, Thursday 26th Birmingham Utilita Arena, Friday 27th Nottingham Motor Point Arena, Sunday 29th Belfast SSE Arena, Monday 30th Dublin 3 Arena, February, Wednesday 1st Cardiff International Arena Thursday, 2nd, Exeter, West Point Arena. Monday, 13th, Warsaw, Torwar, Poland. Tuesday, 14th, Vienna, Stadthal, Austria. Thursday, 16th, Berlin, Mercedes-Benz Arena, Germany. Friday, 17th, Prague, O2 Arena, Czech Republic. Sunday, 19th, Hamburg, Barclays Arena, Germany. Tuesday, 21st, Frankfurt, Fest Hall, Germany. Thursday, twenty-third, Antwerp, Sportpalea, Belgium. Saturday, twenty-fifth, Amsterdam, Zegodome, Netherlands. Sunday, twenty-sixth, Paris, Accor Arena, France. Tuesday, twenty-eighth, Cologne, Lanxess Arena, Germany. March. Thursday, second, Copenhagen, Royal Arena, Denmark. Friday, third, Oslo, Spectrum, Norway. Sunday 5th Stockholm, Avicii Arena, Sweden. Tuesday 7th Zurich, Hallenstadion, Switzerland. Wednesday 8th Milan, Mediolanum Forum, Italy. Friday 10th Barcelona, Palo Sant Jordi, Spain. Saturday 11th Madrid, Wizink Centre, Spain. Tuesday 14th Stuttgart, Sessier-Hale, Germany. Wednesday 15th Munich. Limpey Hall, Germany. Luis Capaldi's Forget Me. Forget Me was Luis Capaldi's first newly recorded song in almost three years and raked up over 100 million global streams. This song gained a lot of attention after recreating Wham's 1983 Club Tropicana music video. Previous Luis Capaldi songs include his chart-topping 2019 hit Someone You Loved, which was named the Brit Award Song of the Year. Broken by Desire to be Heavenly Sent can be pre-ordered here and will be available on May 19th, 2023. That article was by Andrew Smart, Recorded by The National on the 20th of October, 2022. From the Culture section. Recorded by Amy. Unpublished Dundee comic strip starring Paul McCartney goes on display in Liverpool. By Craig Meehan. The comic strip starring Sir Paul McCartney, which was never published, has gone on display in the Museum. The Little Sir Paul McCartney cartoon was created for the Scottish-based children's comic The Dandy by cartoonist Nigel Parkinson, but was never used. Now, the half-finished storyboard has gone on display at the Liverpool Beatles Museum. In 1963, the Beatles star told Enemy magazine it was his dream to appear in The Dandy, which is published by Dundee-based publisher D.C. Thompson. Although the Little Sir Paul McCartney concept was never completed, he did feature in the comic in 2012. The final issue saw McCartney make a cameo appearance drawn by Parkinson alongside characters including Desperate Dan. Parkinson, who draws Dennis the Menace for the Beano, said he sent the star two copies of the comic after it sold out in his local shop. He said he emailed to say thanks so much, it was brilliant. He told me some members of his family said it was the greatest thing he'd ever been associated with. The previously unseen little Sir Paul McCartney strip shows the musician waking up in bed with the liver building visible through his window and catching a bus before being chased by fans. It references some of his famous lyrics from songs including A Hard Day's Night, Ticket to Ride and I Want to Hold Your Hand. Harkinson had previously created similar comic strips for X-Factor judge Simon Cowell and presenters Anne and Dick. He said it was nerve-wracking drawing Sir Paul. I've drawn lots of celebrities before and normally I capture them quite quickly but I have been looking at on at him on TV since 1962, i have seen him in magazines and have been seen him in concert a couple of times, so I thought it would be quite hard to capture all the different factors of his personality. Storyboards for the uncompleted cartoon strip and the version which was published have gone on display together in the Matthews Street Museum. The museum, which houses a wide range of Beatles memorabilia, is owned by Rogue Best, the brother of the band's original drummer, Pete. The Dandy was one of the UK's longest-running children's comics and featured famous characters such as Desperate Dan and Corky the Cat. Its final edition was published by DC Thompson on the comic's 75th anniversary in December 2012. That article was by Craig Meehan.
1: From The National, Thursday the 20th of October 2022, from the politics section Beyond Parody, Nicholas Sturgeon reacts as Liz Truss resigns By Hamish Morrison Nicola Sturgeon has demanded a general election following the resignation of Liz Truss as Prime Minister after just six weeks. The Tory leader conceded on Thursday afternoon she had no mandate to govern and had informed the King of her intention to step down. The First Minister said the chaos has engulfed the Conservative Party since Truss's election was beyond hyperbole and parody and said another election was a democratic imperative. She tweeted There are no words to describe this utter shambles adequately. It is beyond hyperbole and parody. Reality though is that ordinary people are paying the price. The interests of the Tory party should concern no one right now. A general election is now a democratic imperative. Announcing her resignation, Truss said I was elected by the Conservative party with a mandate to change this. We delivered on energy bills and on cutting national insurance and we set out a vision for a low-tax, high-growth economy that would take advantage of the freedoms of Brexit. I recognise, though, that given the situation, I cannot deliver the mandate on which I was elected by the Conservative Party. I have therefore spoken to His Majesty the King to notify him I am resigning as leader of the Tory party. The First Minister also appeared to confirm Trust served her entire premiership without making contact. In response to a tweet about the controversy, Sturgeon said, Trust doesn't mind. I'll now just wait for whoever will come the 5th PM so far during my time as FM. She joins Labour leader Keir Starmer in calling for an election. He said, The British public deserve a proper say in the country's future. They must have the chance to compare the Tories' chaos with the Labour's plans to sort out their mess, go to the economy for working people and rebuild the country for a fairer, greener future. We must have a chance at a fresh start. We need a general election. Now! Trussie's successor will be appointed within a week, it has been confirmed, and she will remain in post until that happens. And that report was by Hamish Morrison. From the National, Thursday the 20th of October 2022, from the news section, Emergency meeting on Shetland incident held as Nicola Sturgeon warns of a serious situation by Laura Webster. An emergency Scottish Government meeting has been held after Shetland was left cut off from the mainland, following damage to a subsea cable. Residents have no access to phones or an internet connection after the major incident arose early on Thursday morning. Police and BT issued reminders that in an emergency, people can call 999 from a landline or mobile, even without a signal. But people living in Shetland have been advised to avoid making non-urgent calls, so that all available lines can be used for emergencies if required. First Minister Nicola Sturgeon confirmed that the Resilience Committee had met on Thursday and would be working closely with partner agencies to ensure support for all those who need it. The cause of the damage to the cable, which comes after a separate cable linking Shetland to the Faroe Islands was damaged last week, has not yet been confirmed. This is a very serious situation for Shetland, Sturgeon said. At sign Scott Gough Resilience Committee has met and is working closely with partner agencies to ensure support for those who need it and that the cable damage can be repaired and services restored, ASAP. A spokesperson for the Scottish Government added, the Scottish Government's resilience operation has been activated and is in regular contact with the local authority and relevant agencies who are all working to resolve the issue as quickly as possible. We stand ready to provide any support required. Ministers have spoken with local authority and MSPs and will continue to monitor the situation closely until it is resolved. We are pressing telecoms companies and the UK government to whom telecoms is reserved for firm timelines on restoration as soon as possible. Police from around Scotland as well as the Fire and Rescue Service at HM Coast Guard are being deployed to Shetland in the wake of the ca- cable incident. An emergency hub is also being set up in the Tesco car park in Lerwick. A spokesperson for BT Group said Due to a break-in, a third-party subsea cable connecting Shetland with Scottish Moonlands, some phone, broadband and mobile services are affected. Engineers are working to divert services via other routes as soon as possible and we'll provide further updates. Our external subsidy provider is also looking to restore their link quickly. And that was a report by Laura Webster. From the National, Thursday the 20th of October 2022. From the News section, Krishnan Gurumurthy taken off air by Channel 4 after C asterix 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 incident Report by Laura Webster Senior Channel 4 presenter Krishnan Gurumurthy has been taken off air by the broadcaster after being caught calling a Tory MP a C asterix 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 asterix, on a live stream. After a robust interview with Brexiteer right winger Steve Baker the reporter had believed he was no longer in air. While well, his outburst wasn't shown on Channel 4, other live streams from Westminster picked up the audio of the incident. Governor Martha was clearly heard saying, what a C, asterix, 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 after telling Baker that his questions weren't stupid. Now Channel 4's Head of News and Current Affairs, Louisa Compton, has confirmed that the journalist faces a week-long period away from TV screens following the viral moment. She said, Channel 4 has a strict code of conduct for all its employees including its programming teams and on their pre- presenters, and takes any breaches seriously. Following an off-air incident on in Channel 4 News, anchor Christian Gurramurthy has been taken off-air for a week. After Wednesday night's incident, Gurramurthy apologised to Baker for his language. It had come after yet another tumultuous day in Westminster, with Swell Braverman having just resigned as Home Secretary. He later tweeted, after a robust interview with Steve Baker MP I used a very offensive word in an unguarded moment off air. Well, it was not broadcast that word in any context is beneath the standards I set myself and I apologise unreservedly. I have reached out to Steve Baker to say sorry. In an interview with Times Radio Baker said that sacking Guru Murthy would be a service to the public if he was found to be in breach of his code of conduct. I had an interview earlier with a journalist I don't think I would get g- great deal of regard for, who I felt was misrepresenting the situation through the construction of his question, which I called out I think live in air or I thought it was a pre-record, he said and he clearly didn't like that, quite right too but I'd I'd be quite honest I spent a lot of time live in air calling him out on his conduct as a journalist and glad to do so at any time but it's most unfortunate that he's sworn in air like that if it's in breach of his code of conduct I do hope they sack him it will be a service to the public. Baker later replied to Guru Murthy's tweet, accepting the apology and saying he appreciated the gesture. And that report was by Laura Webster. From the National, 20th of october 2022, from the Politics section. Liz Truss eligible for £115,000 a year after resigning as Prime Minister? By Joshua Sero. Liz Truss will be entitled to claim £115,000 per year from the taxpayer, despite becoming the shortest serving Prime Minister in British history. Truss, who resigned on Thursday afternoon after just 44 days in office, will be able to claim through the Public Duties Cost Allowance, PDCA, which allows former leaders to claim money back towards the cost of maintaining their activities in public life. Liz Truss becomes the sixth living former Prime Minister, entitled to claim through the scheme, meaning taxpayers could be forking out more than £700,000 per year to former Prime Ministers. According to the Cabinet Office accounts, John Major, Tony Blair, Gordon Brown and David Cameron all claimed more than £100,000 to the PDCS in 2020-21. Blair and Major both claimed the maximum figure allowed, while Gordon Brown and David Cameron claimed £114,712 and £113,423, respectively. The PDCE was set up in 1991 to assist former Prime Ministers, with Margaret Thatcher being the first beneficiary. The government says payments to the PDCE are only made to meet the actual cost of continuing to fulfil public duties. The allowance is not paid to support private or parliamentary duties. The PDCE is in addition to any constituency office which they may maintain as an MP. Liz Truss resigns as Prime Minister. According to her resignation, the Prime Minister said, I recognise I cannot deliver the mandate in which I was elected by the Conservative Party. I am resigning as the leader of the Conservative Party. There will be a leadership election to be completed within the week. I will remain as Prime Minister until a successor has been chosen. Her resignation comes after weeks of chaos following a disastrous mini-budget that plunged the economy into turmoil. The financial plans, announced by then-Chancellor Kwasi quarting Included £45 million of unfunded tax cuts, causing the value of sterling to plunge in comparison to the US dollar. U-turns followed with Truss and Quartin ditching plans for tax cuts for the richest, before Quartin was forced to resign as Chancellor. He was replaced by Jeremy Hunt, who continued to abandon Truss's plans, including reversing the decision to scrap the planned corporation tax rise, and scrapping plans to reduce the basic rates of income tax from 20% to 19%. Then, on Wednesday, Home Secretary Swilla Braverman resigned, leaving what appeared to be a pointed message at Trust in her resignation letter. Braverman said, Pretending we haven't made mistakes, carrying on as if everyone can't see what we have made them, and hoping that things will magically come right is not serious in politics. I have made a mistake. I accept responsibility. I resign. Following a meeting with Brady at lunchtime, Trust announced her resignation this afternoon. And that report was by Joshua Cerro From The National, Thursday the 20th of October 2022. From the politics section, YouGov poll finds only 1% of voters say Liz Truss was good Prime Minister. Report by political reporter, Hamish Morrison. Just 1% of the UK public thought Liz Truss did a good job as Prime Minister, according to a new YouGov poll. The survey found a whopping 64% of respondents thought she had done a terrible job with just 1% rating her performance as good and 1% saying she had been a great Prime Minister. The SNAP poll carried out among 2,066 people on Thursday found 7% of Britons rated her average and 18% said she had been poor. Some 10% of respondents said they did not know. Truss announced her resignation on Thursday afternoon after a punishing week in which she lost control of her party and suffered the loss of a senior advisor and her home secretary. First Minister Nicola Sturgeon says trust will be resigned to a footnote in history. She is entitled to a pension of £115,000 per year for the rest of her life as a former Prime Minister, even though she has only held the office for 44 days. Tory rivals are now lining up to replace her, and nominations among MPs are now open, closing at 2pm on Monday. Then Conservative Party members will be able to vote until Friday October the 28th, at which point a new Prime Minister will be appointed. And that report was by Hamish Morrison.
0: And that was this week's The National Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's
2: kind permission. Thanks for listening.